0: So it's nice to know that Chris Bernoulli is also a fan of Michael Mann. You've changed things.
1: Forever. There's no going back. See to them. You're just a
0: freak. Like me.
1: <laughs> this had probably the best marketing of any superhero film ever.
0: Like, e- even but. the stuff like it, it, this is, this is like, they, they didn't push it as hard as maybe they would nowadays. But like even the I believe in Harvey Dent stuff, like the political ad campaigns. I think there was even a phone number you could call.
1: Oh no, there was. It was crazy the marketing for this film. Uh, they did a lot of crazy stuff that they just don't do. Probably cuz it just maybe wouldn't work, but cuz everyone's done something at this point. I remember Comic-Con that year, they 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 put a bunch of money out there that had the Joker on it. And like they the money had like decoder messages on it that told people where to rally and then like, the, like and then like these websites would report on it like these were events happening in Gotham City. <laughs> there was actually, like, a campaign website for RV Dent, and, like, they had a bus go, go around for, like, his campaign. I love that shit. I love it so much. Yeah, it was nuts. There, well, this movie was, like, inescapable when it was being marketed.
0: You know, honestly, it still might be inescapable. Uh, but let me start off by introducing the show. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Batman Retrospective on the Waffle Press. I'm your host Diego Crespo. With me today is Matt Garingo. That's me. And this this episode feels different. This is we, we talk about uh, some small movies here, some big movies. We did Star Wars retrospective. Uh, this one feels like. Like, you just mentioned how it was inescapable at the time. It still kind of feels inescapable.
1: Uh, We're here to talk about The Dark Knight. This is the loftiest film I think we've ever discussed on this podcast.
0: And that's weird, Uh, because we talked about every Star Wars movie. Yes. Uh, Um, How does that happen?
1: Well, it happens because people are still talking about this fucking movie. (laughs) Everyone's kind of decided that the first few Star Wars movies are just classics. And... There still seems to be a lot of debate about The Dark Knight, which is interesting. I mean, most movies don't spawn that much debate, Um, but this was definitely one of the biggest game changers, I think. This probably is the biggest game-changing movie in my life. Yeah, yeah. Huh, how about that? Well, the way I see it, like, there's, in terms of formula, there's ways mainstream action movies kind of fall into and there's kind of major shifts that come the biggest you see when indiana jones comes out every movie starts being indiana jones and then (laughs) die hard comes out and then we had tons of movies trying to be die hard and then i don't think we got another major shift in how action movies were done formulaically not like substance wise until the dark Knight. after this came out every movie was trying to be the dark Knight.
0: Uh, I'm going to not, not fight you on that because there, I think there's one movie we did miss, uh, The
1: Matrix, aesthetically especially. Well, yeah, but that's – I'm not talking aesthetic. Everything. I'm not talking aesthetic at all. I'm talking formula.
0: I, I don't – I think I think there's a – obviously The Matrix wasn't like really quote unquote redone with the formula stuff like other movies. But I think what the ultimate discussion we're going to go to into that, like about what was most influential for Bedrun Run Wars – I think The Matrix is, is right there with it.
1: I'm not saying The Matrix wasn't influential or like majorly influential. I'm just saying that in terms of a formula that people emulated. Because once Indiana Jones comes out, every action movie from then on, suddenly there's an opening action scene. And then they follow almost beat for beat the action of Indiana Jones. It's all Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then when Die Hard comes out, suddenly we have a lot of action movies where it's someone stuck in a situation. And then I don't think we got this... Because we did get tons of genre-type movies. We started getting movies where the special effects overtook the actual story. So we had movies that were basically just like, oh, now we can do a Twister. And now we can do a... uh, we can do alien spaceships, like that's kind of that's. Jurassic Park kind of caused a shift, but not. There was no real consistent formula with it, and mm-hmm. you can see by the diverse quality of those films. <sighs> um, but I think once the Dark Knight and to a lesser extent, I would say Batman Begins, the one-two punch of Batman Begins and Casino Royale, which like redid origin stories. I think the Dark Knight was then the next big shift because then every movie was suddenly about fighting unstoppable forces that are like the polar opposite of the protagonist
0: and to go back to that formula thing uh I don't know for how long but almost every big action blockbuster had a scene where the villain was caught but they wanted to be caught the whole time
1: yeah that happened uh for a while yeah here is a quick rundown
0: proximity alert sir there's a ship at warp heading right for us
1: clean at warp no kirk
0: We both know who it is. I don't think so. It's not coming at us from (laughs) Kronos.
1: to go into full for that it's not even just that it's those beats it's that now conflict in these movies is less about a MacGuffin and more about a philosophical clash um that that really becomes front and center going in the movies um post dark knight the problem is that
0: nearly none of those movies are as good as the dark knight uh um, just before we get into more of it in 30 seconds, your thoughts on the dark night. Um,
1: well, <laughs> o'clock I like it. I like it okay. a lot. I don't know. It's so weird. Cause there's so much loaded in like a statement when you go, I like this movie. Cause then people take it to be like, oh, you agree with this film or you think this film is like perfect or something like, like you could read into like what just enjoying this film has a lot of baggage to it you know
0: yeah i mean uh, i think recently we also talked about fight club how, yes like i enjoy that movie but it's like i have no interest to rewatch it and that's not even the movie's fault or anything like that it's really the culture around the movie some of it anyways and certain fans you know and we, we always talk about like how you know uh it's not, it's okay to like stuff that's problematic. We have to acknowledge, if we're going to be in these circles especially, we have to acknowledge uh, these discussions around these films. Art doesn't exist in a bubble. We have to be aware of the culture and and what's causing these discussions to happen. Um, and The Dark Knight's kind of another one of those.
1: <laughs> I will say, all right, let me just go over my history with this film first. Please, by all means. Um, like I said, this movie was hyped like it was nothing. Um, it was like the biggest thing ever. Um, I did not see Batman Begins in theaters, and I wasn't even that big a fan of it, but something about the marketing kind of got everyone into it. And it was basically just that the Joker was like front and center, and that instantly became a marketing thing of like, we're going to see this incredible performance. (laughs) Um, I saw this movie nine times in theaters. Whoa. uh, More than any other film I've ever seen. Um, in fact, the first time I saw it, I went open that, and I remember getting there like an hour before showtime and seeing, uh, a long line. And I was like, wow, that must be for the next showing. Um, and no, it was actually the line for my show. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up buying tickets for a showing that was like a half hour later. And I was still, me and my buddy were still like 15th in line.
0: <laughs> Damn.
1: Uh, we then, uh, we saw the movie, got out of it and immediately bought tickets for the next show. <laughs> <laughs> That's how much we enjoyed it. And then just periodically I saw it. Like, I think I paid to see it like three more times on my own. And then the other four times at that point, I was invited by friends. Um, cause wow. everyone just kind of wanted to go see it. And I kind of like, just was like, yeah, I could see that again um i i bought it on dvd i think i watched it like twice on dvd and then never watched it again because <laughs> I kind of just internalized it so much i didn't need to revisit it so i want to say just think
0: about it and you're like yeah
1: yeah well I, no i'd be way. like i've seen it like i just <laughs> i got it uh i will say i want to say i hadn't rewatched it for about four years before i said i didn't rewatch it for this and then the first time I watched it twice for this. The first time re-watching it was kind of like a splash of cold water to the face. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, this is weird. And I was like, this isn't, this is not great. And then the second time I rewatched it, I went, no wait, it actually is kind of great. There we go. Okay, because
0: so, uh, we were talking about it off-air. I think either before or a little after we started to talk, we did the Batman Begins episode, and you were like, hey, man, <laughs> just a heads up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it was shocking. I was like, there's, I, I will say, the stuff I didn't like about it, I still don't like about it. <laughs> but I mean, you're wrong, but go ahead. There's more to it than those things. <laughs> I want to say, I think I like the film... In direct conflict with what the intentions of the filmmaker were. <laughs> I think that's what I ended up coming out of the screening with. That's fair.
0: I do not like this as much as Batman Begins, but I think it's kind of obvious that I still love the shit out of it. And there was a, there was a period of time where I was like, fucking these Nolan maniacs. And there are other movies out there, you know? like Just because Batman's not the most interesting character to me doesn't mean you know, like anything less about the movie, but I don't, I, I just didn't care anymore. And then that kind of dragged the movie down for me. And then I, I think before, cause last year was the, the 10th anniversary. And a little before that I, I had seen it again. I wrote a little something, something about it. Uh, I'll put a link down below if it's not awful. Cause I, I look back at some old writing and I'm like, Jesus Christ.
1: I think I, uh, I should send you the picture. Right? Cause Facebook has that look back at like a, like your past status thing.
0: Oh, yeah, please do. And
1: the 10-year anniversary of The Dark Knight I had posted, I just saw The Dark Knight, and it's the I think it's the greatest film ever made. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. a lot of people had that reaction. Yeah. Uh, I I still,
0: it, it is hard to separate it from from the culture around it and the community around it, because if someone came to me and someone had, like, a legitimate point about it being one of the greatest films ever made, I'd be like, you know what, it's it, it's really hard to argue against that for me. And it's not
1: even my favorite Batman movie. I just want to say that, that the, the, the person who wrote that greatest film status, the Macaringo from that time, um, the pre-Obama Macaringo, the pre-a-lot-of-life-changes <laughs> pre uh, pre-A lot of life changes Macaringo, um, that Macaringo is dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was like looking at a ghost when I read that status.
0: No, there's definitely uh, issues in in the film itself and what the film says, incidentally or otherwise, uh, given how thankfully it feels like people are becoming more socially aware at a faster rate because of the internet. Not everyone, obviously, but I think people are are more aware of things now than they were
1: before, Uh, even back in 2008. To be fair with Zack Snyder, which is something I definitely do not like saying (laughs) – I think Batman v. Superman did get the conversation kind of going where now we're re-examining all of Batman. Um, Which is something Nolan never really accomplished, but I think Nolan was still at a time where it was weird to take a a character like Batman seriously. And so Zack Snyder was kind of at the perfect time to go, Batman's actually a bad thing. Whether or not Zack Snyder totally believes that... I believe is up for debate or how much of it he believes or exactly what he believes is up for debate. But I think Uh, I'm willing to
0: bet, and I don't think this is a positive or negative thing, but I'm willing to bet that Zack Snyder doesn't actually think fondly of superheroes. So, so quick recap, Batman begins, uh, Batman of course is born. Uh, the Narrows is lost to fear gas, crime, toxicity, uh, Batman kills the guy, but we don't really acknowledge that because he didn't put his hands on him. No, after he he left he, him to die.
1: He specifically so. says, "I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you."
0: And you know what? For like an action, like, and I I love Batman Begins. I think that's I've made that very clear by this point. That line works so much better in like a hardcore like Michael Bay style action movie than it does a Batman movie where it's about bringing like order to the chaos. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I love the line, but it's like, hmm. Hey, you know maybe, what? If, maybe not that. If Batman <laughs> had kept Razel al Ghul alive, maybe he could have given the people of the world a heads up that he's got a crazy daughter out there <laughs> and, and some guy named Bane.
0: And so we jump forward a year to the Dark Knight. Things are going pretty swell in Gotham.
1: We should mention that there was also the tag at the end of Batman Begins of the Joker card, which blew up my, my viewing audience.
0: Just, whoo,
1: you know. I did not see it with a the with a audience, so I did not get that. Um, like I said, I was in this weird state of, like, childhood turning into, like, young adulthood. Where I, di- I thought Batman Begins was somehow connected to the Tim Burton movies. <laughs> and I thought that Joker was a setup for the Jack Nicholson Joker. I don't know how I thought that made sense, but that's exactly what I thought in my mind. And then eventually I put together that, oh, no, there's going to be a new uh, Dark Knight. Uh, There's going to be a new Batman and a new Joker. And do you remember uh, the initial response to Heath Ledger as the Joker? How could
0: I not? Yeah. Uh, It was, like, awful.
1: Yeah. Everyone was pissed.
0: Man, they're like, this guy's going to take over Jack Nicholson? Ugh. What's this guy Christopher Nolan thinking? Nobody likes him yet.
1: I remember that it got up to the point of like the first image of him being released and even people were like what the fuck like they weren't they weren't into like the first image of the joke i remember that being like kind of divisive but then once that one trailer dropped that showed him finally was when the conversation kind of seemed to change yeah
0: everyone's like Ooh, wait a second yeah or even like the there was a first teaser. Where it was just the bat signal surrounded by those blue flames. It's, it's the beginning of the movie, but we didn't know that at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but with like conversation and voiceover happening from each of the the principal characters, and then it ends with the Joker's line saying, uh, "Starting tonight, people will die. I'm a man of my word." And then you hear his laugh for the first time.
1: Starting tonight, people will die. I'm
0: a man of my word. <laughs> And I remember that being the big point of discussion, being like, whoa, wait, what was that?
1: I remember what happened was, because it was Comic-Con that year, right? Um, Yeah. It was like the first time I was really paying attention to, like, nerd news. And that was the same year the Iron Man trailer was shown at Comic-Con. And do you remember everyone, do you remember how hyped people were for that trailer? And and this was when they would show a trailer at Comic-Con and they wouldn't release it online. Um, so you only heard reports of what was in the trailer, right?
0: Yeah. Um, Marvel still didn't do that when they were at fucking Comic-Con. Yeah, now now
1: they, I don't know what it's, well, I think that's something to do with like the fight, like the business model of Comic-Con. Um, I couldn't really tell you, but.
0: Comic-Con's a fucking hierarchy. Yeah,
1: it's a weird thing. It is a silly place. Um, but, uh, like I said, it kind of like, everyone was talking about that Iron Man trailer. And then the Dark Knight trailer dropped and everyone was like, it was cool, but the Iron Man trailer stole the show. And then the thing about the Dark Knight that everyone was excited about was the, the weird guerrilla marketing that they were doing, um, which lasted like all three days of Comic-Con. Um, and I just remember following that. That's what was kind of interesting, but the trailer itself was kind of overshadowed by that Iron Man trailer.
0: Uh, See, it's so weird because I remember seeing the Iron Man trailer eventually. And this this is, this is might have been just me being more of a Batman guy from back in the day. Um, but none of the Iron Man trailers, like, excited me. I was like, oh, Iron Man. Okay, sure, whatever. I'm all about Batman. And, like, all the way up to the movie. And then I ended up liking Iron Man a lot. But I was like, all the way to the theater, I, I was convinced that movie was going to suck. Mm-hmm. So I, that that wasn't me. And I'm curious if that was just me not liking the trailers or if that was me... In my teenage nerd bubble being like, nah, Batman, all the way, you know?
1: Well, I think for that time, I don't think anyone really knew what was coming, (laughs) you know? Both in terms of the Dark Knight really elevating the genre. Whether you like the movie or not, it did change the public perception of the superhero genre. And then Iron Man starting the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, which I remember I think was only, like, announced, like officially only a couple months before Iron Man came out. Like, we all knew that they that Marvel was now producing their own stuff, but we didn't know that there was going to be like a shared universe until just before it came out. And then, of course, there was the Nick Fury thing. Um, yeah, that but, just fucking... Yeah. I hadn't seen...
0: Like, all obviously all the Marvel movies have their cameos and stuff now, but nothing compared to that. There will
1: never be a moment like that. Um, yeah. The Thanos reveal at the end of the first Avengers movie was pretty cool, though. Uh,
0: the, the, those actually might be. That's the closest you could get to that first Nick Fury reveal. Yeah.
1: The problem is neither of those reveals make any sense now. <laughs> the
0: I, I can jive with the Nick Fury one. Nick, the Nick Avengers Fury, one totally doesn't. Nick it. Fury
1: one makes a little bit of sense because they kind of just justify it where they're like, ah, you didn't get in. And then the yeah, uh, that's the whole back half of Iron
0: Man two, yeah. is the Avengers stuff.
1: But then, but it sounds like he's already has an initiative set up. You know. Like, uh, whatever.
0: But then... No, we'll we'll talk about Iron Man at some point, I'm sure. mm -hmm. But, But um...
1: The Thanos one is literally, like, it references things that never come into play.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, like, Uh, ah, that's so stupid. But whatever. How certain filmmakers just keep ignoring things. No, fuck continuity. Who gives a shit? You know, I would be okay with that if the movies they made were worth more than one viewing. But whatever, whatever. I got to move on about that. I don't want to get down that rabbit hole. All right, so The Dark Knight. Uh, look, y- you all know everything that happens in this movie, but we should talk a little bit about some of that stuff
1: anyways. Well, yeah, I think we should because it's, uh, it's, it's worth revisiting. I mean, I, I don't know. This movie's like burned into my brain forever. And... No,
0: here's the thing. Uh, again when I when I went back to rewatch it and I was a little you know mm-hmm. hesitant hey won we back over head over heels uh again not 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 perfect none of the Nolan films are uh they might be getting less perfect as they go along whatever we'll get there um but i I find myself continuously floored <laughs> every time I watch it uh not so much the action the action's fine it's standard uh it's not too messy but just like everything feels like a like not just like a real movie because that's kind of a criticism i I toss around some of these superhero things but like everything has this really like heavy weight to it emotionally Mm -hmm. thematically uh politically for better and for worse sometimes Mm -hmm. um and it really feels like a like a straight-up crime drama like you know the mcu's whole thing is like well we're hopping to different genres each movie and like you're you're really, like, not because everything looks the same. And that's fine. That's fine. Uh, works sometimes. Works less well other times. Uh, but for the Dark Knight, it's really just – it's heat. It's Michael Mann's heat uh, with Batman characters and some tweaks here and there. But it, it feels like unlike anything else, uh, not just up to that point, but maybe even still now. Uh, involving anything with live-action superheroes.
1: Well, the thing that's frustrating about this movie is that everyone learned the wrong lessons from it. Oh yeah, uh, big in, time. In, I'm willing to say, including the man who directed this. Um, <laughs> but I have yet to rewatch The Dark Knight Rises, so. <laughs> uh,
0: I also have not rewatched it. We will. We will recently, see. So,
1: but we, yeah, yeah, we will. But this opening, the opening robbery, is like almost a mission statement of the film. Um, with it again, very much, it's a bank robbery. So it's like a straight up heat reference. Um, and I believe this was all reshoots. This was added later, I believe. Really? Um, I believe that's what, if I remember correctly, they went and shot this later to, cause initially it was just going to be like a special teaser. And then they decided to add it to the film itself. Um, I'm not sure if that's true. Okay. Um,
0: oh, I, I I don't know anything about that. I do remember it being on the Ghost Protocol IMAX um, stuff, though. Was
1: this for Ghost Protocol?
0: Yeah, I remember because I was actually really excited for Ghost Protocol. And that's, to, for my money, that's still the best
1: Mission Impossible. I thought Ghost um, Protocol was after this.
0: No, nah, Ghost Protocol is 2011, and then Dark Knight was 2000. 2000- You're thinking oh, no. Dark Knight Rises. You're thinking Dark Knight Rises. Oh, no, what the fuck? What did I see? I Am Legend. Yeah, was I am, that's I am what I was going to say. It was I Am Legend. What the fuck? Sorry, Yeah, everyone. it was the special... Uh, I Am Legend is not better than any of the movies we've talked yeah. about today. Could you
1: imagine seeing this before <laughs> fucking I Am Legend? <laughs> oh, yeah. You just saw the best, like, thing ever, and then you gotta sit through fucking I Am Legend. And
0: also remember, this is when the tide, like, I think, officially turned on the Joker. Like, oh my god, he just took out... Not just from, like, the the, the, the actor, who, like, just... Pete Ledger... Fantastic performance in this, obviously, mm-hmm. but like how you see how like methodical he is and taking out this whole gang of people that he hired to do this job, and like just the like you said that mission statement, mm-hmm. and the, that shot of the bus just joining the other school buses, like no one has any idea what the fuck just happened in that bank, mm-hmm. and then you go to I Am Legends,
1: yeah. It almost reminds me of I, when uh, when Transformers <laughs> came out, there was a trailer for Cloverfield before it. And I came out of that movie talking about that fucking trailer, <laughs> and not and very upset about Transformers. Um, Because holy shit! And that was when Cloverfield didn't even have a title, so it was oh yeah one eighteen oh eight yeah one eighteen oh eight. Um, and imagine seeing that awesome trailer and then you have to sit through fucking Sam Witwicky. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, opening they shot these on IMAX cameras, which they shot like four sequences on those cameras for this.
0: Uh, I also, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they broke one of the IMAX cameras.
1: I, I think I, I know they had a lot of problems with it. Uh, <laughs> there was like, no, this this was like, when did they finally shoot a movie in all IMAX cameras?
0: Uh, uh, oh, that a, I don't know. I gotta I gotta look that one up. Probably... We had to have,
1: we had to have crossed that barrier in ten years. I can't. No, we did... Uh, feel like...
0: <laughs> Infinity War, Infinity- in Oh the yeah, saw IMAX, yeah. but you couldn't tell, really. Um,
1: hey, um, whatever. Um, I didn't... That was the first one I didn't even bother to see in IMAX, so good for me. Um, but uh, I remember... Uh, yeah, those. these were notoriously difficult cameras to work with at the time. I remember, like, they said they tried shooting with those 3D IMAX cameras on Avengers. And then... It, like, was going so poorly, and Sam Jackson threatened to walk off the set. <laughs> oh, shit, really? So they were having problems with it. It like, they weren't getting anything done, he was, like, sitting there all day and couldn't do anything. And so they said, fuck it, and they just stopped trying. <laughs> and that was when they decided, we're just going to do uh, post-conversion for all the 3D effects. Uh, eh. Well, because that was at a the time... The 3D on
0: that one's fine. Well,
1: that was at so. a time when uh, Last Airbender had, like, soured the industry on 3D post-conversion. And then No,
0: it, I mean, that one didn't help, but do you remember the big one?
1: What was the other one? Clash
0: of the Titans. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one was just, everyone
1: walked out. I, I had walkouts. I remember I saw that in theater, and people just couldn't see anything. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't see that in in 3D, so I didn't get that experience. Oh, it was bad. But Because um, I'd heard. I mean, I had basically been told. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I, I barely remember seeing that movie. No, uh, well, it's not good. Did they ever so that make, doesn't help. Did they make a sequel to that?
0: Yeah, they made Wrath of the okay. Titans, yeah. which is also another sequence of images and sound clips. Yeah.
1: Um, remember when, what's his name, Sam Worthington was going to set the world on fire? Aw. You know what? He He got a payday. He's in all the
0: Avatar sequels, I think, so... Hey, get get your bag, man.
1: I I I am I'm saying right now, if they do not kill him in the first Avatar sequel, the Avatar sequels will fail. <laughs> he is fucking boring. No one. It's is, not his fault. No one is coming for him. Um. You know,
0: he's he's like uh, you you can't use him as as a leading man. That's the thing.
1: Yeah, I think that might be it. Yeah. Um, Although it wasn't, he was uh, he was the Terminator who didn't know he was a Terminator in Terminator Salvation or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, did you know, uh, visionary director Mick G had everyone read "Do Androids Dream Electric Sheep?" for filming that movie. Wow. Can you imagine getting the script for <laughs> Terminator Salvation and being like, "This is exactly like Philip K. Dick's work." Oh. Hey, look, all the pieces
0: of that movie, like, there are ideas in that movie that kind of feel like the right way to go for that
1: franchise, but that movie's just, like, so boring that it doesn't matter. It's what happens when you get a director who lacks all talent and a studio Aww. that doesn't believe in what they're doing. <laughs> Which is, I guess, the opposite of this film.
0: Yeah, because um, uh, I guess they really believed in him.
1: I, I should Which say good, cause th- one thing about this opening... Um, as being a mission statement, another mission statement in this opening is how none of it makes any sense whatsoever if you think about it for two minutes. <laughs> there's some that like you can stretch, which like there's that scene, you know, the open, yeah, you know, the the establishing shot of the building, and then the window just explodes outwards because movies got to start with an explosion of some kind. <laughs> and uh, when you think about it, you're like, well, why they could have just removed the glass, <laughs> and then. Wouldn't that glass rain on people below and maybe draw attention to the zip line (laughs) that they are now going to create? But that's a minor one, you know? Uh, A slightly bigger one is that so it's all these guys in clown masks, right? Um, Masks, which I believe are a reference to the Joker's first appearance on the Batman TV show. Oh, that's
0: kind of fun. I
1: didn't know that. I, I believe something, I believe the Joker in that takes off a clown mask to reveal the Joker. Uh, this was also, I believe this was also done in the, uh, the, uh, the animated series. And I, one of the Neil Adams era Batman comics, but I can't remember which one. Um, it's also, I think it might be a reference to Stanley Kubrick's The Killing. Have you ever seen that?
0: That's actually a blind Uh, spot for me.
1: Oh, it's a hell of a film. Check it out. I, I believe Criterion has it. Um, it's a great heist film and, uh, Sterling Hayden and company, uh, don uh, clown masks when they're robbing a uh, uh, a racetrack. Uh, it's really good. Check that movie out.
0: Criterion Channel, here I come.
1: Yep, um, but I should. The main, the reveal that you eventually pick up on is that you believe that these, this is a robbery happening on orders from the Joker. But really, the Joker is in there, and he's having the robbers kill each other. He pits them against each other. Uh, and then steals the money all for himself um, after killing everyone. Uh, the thing that's a little weird about that is that we get that open, you know, we have the shot of a thug with the clown mask standing on the corner, and we don't see the the, the criminal's face. We don't see any of these guys' faces, um, and we eventually, if you watch it again, you realize that that person on the corner was the Joker the whole time. Right? Right. Um, so was he standing on the street corner in his Joker makeup?
0: Yeah, I guess or so.
1: Or does he have a thing on the inside of the mask that puts it on for him? <laughs> um, And then the other uh, is that a school bus can somehow drive through a stone wall <laughs> without being damaged. And then... You know, when you watch it and there's that end of, like, the Joker seamlessly entering the line of buses, right? hmm You're like, oh, wow, and then no one will know what happened. But then you're like, what do the other school buses think? <laughs> like, did they, didn't they just see this? Well, uh, look, uh, s-
0: s- those are, are genuinely funny, like, little thought bubbles that we have about the movie. But I think it's also important to say that everything that goes into this movie— even though it's, like, kind of branded as, like, the realistic Batman take, it, I think it's more idea-driven than anything, even though, it, again, it's more grounded.
1: That's the thing. You have to watch this movie on an idea level, but what it is is in direct conflict with its realistic aesthetic, <laughs> like, because it makes so little sense when you really think about it. It's kind of incredible. It's why um, it's kind of
0: why I, I wish someone like uh like imagine what Michael Mann would have done with this? Like cuz this is very clearly trying to be Michael Mann light a little bit and that's not yeah. a problem. Uh Nolan has I think they're even friends if not colleagues at at times, you know, they share work with each other. Michael themselves. Mann has friends. <laughs> well, he's he's married and he's been married for a while, so something must be
1: okay. That that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, the fact that he hasn't gotten divorced given his uh reputation on set, you know? I mean, I think that,
1: that speaks for it. But whatever, I don't want to get into all whole that thing. thing um, Didn't he, like, grab Johnny Depp on Public Enemies and was like, you're, you're fucking ruining this movie. You can't fucking act. Yeah, but, I mean, that makes him a hero. <laughs> uh, yeah, in retrospect. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't... It's not like he was like, oh, deep down I know this guy's an asshole. Oh, no. No, no. no it's,
0: it's an was incidental like, thing, but still. Yeah. Oh, but the point I'm um, making is that Michael Mann... Uh, his stories are also grounded, but he's also a very idea and, like, emotional-driven filmmaker. And it's not that he sacrifices logic for the emotion, but it, he he's more interested in that. And he's almost kind of elemental at times, you know? You kind of really go with the mood and the atmosphere uh, with his stories more so than the the plot.
1: Mood, atmosphere, getting really into the process. Um, but, yeah, not super—it doesn't lean hard into the logic of the movies,
0: And I think that would have made Dark Knight uh, an even better film,
1: in retrospect. Yeah, well, I think the problem is, I'm not even sure if what I'm saying makes it a necessarily bad film, I'm just saying that when people walked away from this, and were like, that's a super realistic, serious Batman take, or some shit, (laughs) like, you know know the type of people I'm talking about.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, When they walked away from this, and then when you see what it actually is, which the movie doesn't make any fucking sense... It's very odd, you know? Yeah. Um, Also, there's a lot of weird choices in this, which is a Nolan thing where there are some shots and some moments that don't – where you're kind of left wondering what that was about.
0: (laughs) I kind of feel what you're saying. I don't have – it. I didn't write anything down in my notes, but I know exactly what you mean. Where it's like, that was a little –
1: huh. Like, yeah – there's there's one shot that I just it's kind of a little awkward in my opinion, which is the shot of the one guy uh, gets electrocuted by the bank vault, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like cut away in the scene where tension is ramping up, and it's right when one of the one of the uh, bank tellers uh, shoots one of the the other guys. It's intercut with this guy having problems with. The vault, and we're also getting details about how, oh, this is more than just a regular bank. We've been slowly like, oh, it's going to an outside number, and we eventually find out it's a mob bank, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which I guess those are things.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, again, uh, that whole realistic thing, it's like, wait a second. Like, you know, obviously I didn't catch it when I was younger, but now I'm like,
1: what? Again, it's got like (laughs) this really grounded aesthetic of like post 911 America, but it's also a world where like, where it's cops and robbers
0: yeah and honestly i'm kind of okay with that the problem is again mostly on the the subculture
1: around the film and then all right and then we get a shot that i still do not understand (laughs) despite seeing this film nine times in theaters not know i don't know what the shot means (laughs) which is uh the joker the guy's like People used to believe in something, and the Joker sticks a thing in the guy's mouth, and I guess it, like, clamps onto the guy's mouth. I'm not sure what that's about. And Wait, Joker did it? Does his famous, well, because the guy, why doesn't the guy spit it out? Oh, I thought he just shoved it in deep. Maybe, but you could still spit it out. Might be
0: hard. That was, we a, have that was something like a big canister thing.
1: We have, we have a thing called a gag reflex, Diego. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes they don't uh, work. You, uh, well, maybe I don't know. I have like the strongest fucking gag reflex on earth. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, he sticks it in. Joker does his famous eye whatever, um, whatever does doesn't kill you, simply makes you stranger," and then walks away. And there's like a little thing on it, and he it pulls a cord on it. You think it's a grenade at first, and then smoke comes out, and the guy makes a funny noise. <laughs> what happened? Well, he moans, because he's
0: like, what the fuck? So, he, here's what I thought when I first saw it. I thought that was, like, the new iteration of the laughing gas.
1: Same. That's exactly the same thing I was uh-huh. thinking.
0: And then I was like, oh my god, when we see the the full movie, we're gonna see, like, the aftermath. And, like, it never,
1: too. And that's okay. Yeah, it, but, it uh, never comes back. There's never, like, a rictus grin corpse. Yeah. Um... And which is odd, because the Scarecrow is still on the loose, so the Joker could have easily gotten chemicals from him. Yeah. But again, what... It doesn't do... There's there's no reveal. Like, we don't find out that it was poison maybe, gas. May,
0: maybe it's just, like, a joke. Like, it's just a smoke thing or something. Well, that's the
1: know. other option. But again, we're, n- we're never given a definitive answer. And this movie is full of little moments like that, which I can understand... For someone watching it, those little moments adding up and making you not enjoy this movie, <laughs> you know honestly they they would
0: probably bother me, but I think I've talked about it a number of times too where it's like if if the overall ideas of the film are like entire if entire scenes are like that and they didn't actually influence the narrative or the story in any way then then I'd probably that'd be a deal breaker
1: for me well there's there's i want to stress there's a difference between people who walk into movies who are like. Why do, fuel doesn't make sense in Star Wars? Like, yeah, yeah. Like there's fucking, a big, there's, yeah. a, there's a big difference there, um, but there's a difference between that and then literally a shot that makes you go, "Why is that shot in the movie?" <laughs> there's, I think, there's a big gulf between those two types of scenes, you know? I guess like, yes, th- that like, one is just. It's never been a deal
0: breaker for me here. The second, there the, are things the, that I'll, I'll get to. I'm not saying the deal end. breaker. I'm
1: not. I'm not saying deal breaker. But the former example is on you, the viewer. Mm-hmm. The 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 latter will always take you out of the movie. If you're wondering why a shot is in the film, as sometimes it's meant to. Some movies are meant to give you that kick of going like, "Hey, what was that about?" You know. Yeah. Like maybe it's telegraphing something that will come later. Um, or it's making a thematic point about the film, but here there's no answer to why that little moments in the film.
0: I might be bending over a little backwards here, but what if it is just to throw you off? Like what, as a big "what WTF from the Joker, I, I hope I'm, I'm not trying to make excuses for the film because there's some shit I'm going to bring up later, but
1: all that succeeds in doing is throw me off. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't make me feel better about the movie. Well, what does make you feel better about the movie, um, Commissioner Gordon? Oh my God! Yeah,
0: it sucks that Gary Oldman like, apparently like beats his wife because he's like really good. I like him a lot in this.
1: Uh, Gary Oldman's really good as the one uh, good cop in Gotham. Although this movie seems to be a little skeptical of what that means. Yeah, and you know what? I'm yeah. I'm glad. I, well, I, I just want to bring up Gordon because again, like the uh, the Wire, which I keep referencing. <laughs> Uh, Gordon has been given a major crime unit specifically targeted, meant to hunt down Batman, but he's secretly using it to bring down the mob, um, which is very much like uh, the second season of The Wire.
0: Can you believe some people think that's a bad season of television?
1: I know. Like, yeah, so I don't trust weird. people who, who I don't I do not trust anyone that shits on the second season of The Wire. I will say the second season does take a little while to get going. It's a little weird considering where uh, the first season leaves off, but once it gets going, it is just as good as the best of the show. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, every, every um, season... I Not not that it takes a while to get going, but each each of them have their, their strengths. Uh, and yeah. season two, give it more respect out there, you fucking heathens. Um, But... Yeah, I, I found myself really interested in the – just the drama of all the the stuff this movie has got going on. Like it really takes its time to – we, we kind of lose the the civilian perspective a little bit in this, if there even was one in Batman Begins. Um, mm-hmm. But we – it really is like a straight-up crime drama. Like we're following like all these legal uh, pursuits. Where we're going into courtrooms. There's like more courtroom scenes in this than like the first season of Daredevil, which is just fucking shocking. Yeah. Um,
1: well, I should say that the, uh, the, the idea of civilians in these movies where we've complained about superhero films seeming to forget the fact that they're about protecting people yeah. and saving people. Um, the, the Nolan Batman movies make a specific point that that is not what these films are about. That is a choice. It's not a mistake. Yeah, I, you know? It, it is, it's, and
0: because this one specifically... Is way more interested in like the the cops versus the criminal stuff and like uh, the the legal ramifications of things and morality uh, from the lens of law and order. I can I can really get behind it in this one, but I also think given that it's ultimately about the city of Gotham and its citizens, mm-hmm. I, this is a really packed movie and it honestly might be a little too long already. But I do wish that there was a little bit more. From that, if the third movie gave us that, I wouldn't be complaining about this. But it, it, that one doesn't,
1: I guess. But you get uh, you get like tons of news coverage of the Joker, which is done much better here than BVS, by the way. Um, uh, who's the guy? Um, Gotham tonight. Um,
0: oh, I'm John Engel. Uh, Gotham tonight.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like uh, that actor um, whose name I can't remember, um, who was uh, on the dead zone. Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, um, yeah. He's he's really good in a performance that doesn't get a lot of credit.
0: <laughs> no, everyone's really good in this. I think uh, I don't. I don't remember what what you were saying about uh, who who was the weak link in Batman Begins. The she gets a lot of flack. I don't think she's really that bad. I think she's actually solid. Uh, the...
1: Katie Holmes. Yes.
0: Yeah, like not 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 great, but I think she's good. In that movie. Um, I think
1: it's, again, I would say in that film and this film, it's the way the character is written. Um, Because more in this film than in the last film, Rachel is a prop in this film.
0: Yeah, that's what I came away with it, too. Like, I like the ideas they're kind of going with. And the film, I I would even go as far to say that the character is intelligent enough to recognize Bruce... uh, Using her as more of like an a, a self-satisfying idea than a human being. Because that that's a, that's a point of contention, but it still leans a little too bit the wrong direction.
1: Well, the fake out of this movie is that they get you to believe she's not just a prop. <laughs> and then the movie flips it on you at one point, which it's very weird to do with a female character. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying I get why a lot of women out there are not Christopher Nolan fans. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, there's the I whole, like, totally... running joke online about, like, well, who's going to play the next dead wife in a Christopher Nolan movie? Exactly. You know, and I, again, really? I'm a fan, but, like, that criticism doesn't come out of nowhere.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not uh, bullshit. We should also say, yeah, uh, so again, like I, I said earlier, uh, the Scarecrow is, returns in this film for about two minutes.
0: You know, I, I wish he was in more of these, and he's so good, man. I, I love Killian Murphy.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, but I should say... In 2008, as a comic book nerd, the thing I was most excited about for this movie—it's going to sound weird—but the fact that the Scarecrow was going to be in it, and not because I not because I thought the Scarecrow was going to be a major part of the film, but because it was the first time that that had ever really happened, where. The villain from the previous film has a cameo in the next film.
0: This is why we make good podcasting partners and friends, because I had the same exact reaction. I was fucking flipping out when I heard that. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my god, they can do anything! And then Iron Man came out, like, a couple months before. Yeah.
1: The Iron Man leans into it more, Um, but... At this point, it was like, the, at most, we got, like, lip service. At most, you had, like, Zod's cameo in Superman the movie, um, which was made when those movies were supposed to be shown back-to-back back in, like, a really convoluted roadshow plan that didn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> but, uh, and then, like, Batman and Robin, where you would see the Riddler's costume in Arkham. Like, that was the most it ever got.
0: Yeah. So that, that was awesome.
1: Like, literally, Harvey Dent changes races in the first Batman films. <laughs> like, there's so little connective tissue. And here, it was just cool to be like, oh, shit, the, the, the Scarecrow's back. And this is a, it's a, it's a continuing story, which is something that was really exciting at the time, and is now something I'm act, I would actively like to see these films rebel against. <laughs> Although, I got I to gotta go over my... I want to say, this is the exact thing that went through my brain. When I was watching this movie in 2008, opening day, um, sitting in a theater where it's like literally pat, like every seat is taken. I'm sitting next to a guy with a cowboy hat. <laughs> the, the scenes playing out, Scarecrow shows up. We're kind of being filled in on how there's now a vacuum that's been created because of the Batman. Suddenly these fake Batman show up in a really awkward edited scene, which I'll go back to. <laughs> But then the the bat tumbler comes crashing in and interrupts the scene. And this is the exact thought that passed through my brain, and I'm not joking when I say this. Oh, yeah, Batman is in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Which that's just to to give you an example of what the marketing had conditioned everyone for. (laughs) I, I totally forgot I was actually paying to see a Batman film, <laughs> uh, which is weird. It's, it's, um, it is a
0: little weird, but I do want to say there's this weird criticism. I heard this since the movie came out that like, oh, it's not really a, a Batman movie. It's more of a Joker movie with the Batman guest starring in it. If he took the Joker out it wouldn't work as a movie. And, like, no fucking shit it wouldn't work as a movie. Because <laughs> yeah. then you take out the point of the movie. Like, you're not a fucking
1: genius if you say something like that. It is the Joker's show, definitely.
0: It, it is. Um, but I, I think because of, of how this film nails the dynamic, I, I think, anyways, between Batman and the Joker, in uh, which
1: which is unfortunately unable to be followed up upon because of the unfortunate passing of Heath Ledger, um, rest mm-hmm. in peace, uh, God, it's so heartbreaking every time you watch it when he says at the end. We're, I'm not even saying, like,
0: yeah, I, like, and just it's like, so sad we God, don't get more man. Joker. It's just so sad yeah, that a, this is, like, clearly the
1: beginning of an amazing career. Like, this is, like, the moment where everyone's going to realize, oh, we've been underselling this kid. And then yeah. it just, you know, life sucks sometimes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's 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 really uh, too sad, and I, we're gonna be. I guess we're gonna be hopping around a little bit. I do want to also mention that while I'm, I'm on the subject of Heath Ledger, uh, Michael J. White uh, was on was on a uh, podcast recently talking about. Someone asked him about like what he thought of like comments about Heath Ledger getting too into the role of Joker, and he was like, "That's bullshit." Like that guy was like apparently such a. Uh, a pleasure to work around. He always made sure everyone was like comfortable on
1: set and they had a really great like a working relationship and he was just apparently a really great guy. He was really nice on set. They could have conversations. He wasn't like call me joker yeah, in between yeah. takes.
0: Like he, he, people people say like he got like crazy for the role. I'm like, "No, he he was getting intense when the cameras were on and he he
1: mucked up his hair a little bit like an actor." Here's the thing about acting that I don't think a lot of people really think about is that actors are paid lots of money to think about things that none of us would spend that much time thinking about. <laughs> I mean, when it's really... I mean, it's, it's egotistical by design because you have to be thinking about you a lot and the emotion of the scene. But it's not this, like, Olympic thing where... You have to torture yourself. You just have to get super introspective a lot of the time. And that's what, if, what you read about Heath Ledger is that that's what he did. Like he kind of, he shut himself off. He like wrote in notebooks, like trying to get into the character of the Joker. And I'm willing to bet if you read those notebooks, they would be very like simple and basic observations, you know. Mm-hmm. But every now and then there would be like an interesting idea. And he, he, the thing is, he has to go through all those simple ideas to get to the interesting one. It basically just put in a lot of time and hard work. Yeah. And he didn't waste a lot of time mailing used condoms to people. Yeah,
0: like, what the fuck, dude? Or dead rats.
1: Yeah. Like, that's not what it's about. I mean, it's the thing of, like, I this is going to be a weird comparison, but... Um, I might have actually made this comparison on this show already. <laughs> um, but... Uh, Bob Dylan, uh, Bob Dylan can like auction off his notebooks for like millions of dollars. Right. Right. Like, because everyone's like, oh, he's this lyrical genius. He's, he's writes indecipherable poetry that somehow speaks to every male under 25. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and then you get those notebooks and they're full of observations that are like, time is like a train. It just keeps on moving. And you're like, well, yeah, no shit. <laughs> but again, you have to like, you have to go through the, he put a lot of work in the making the obvious observations to try to get to like a greater truth, you know? Yeah. And I'm willing to bet that's kind of just what Heath Ledger did. And it's it's not like I'm what I'm saying is it's not this like he didn't like walk into a prism that he couldn't return from. Yeah, he didn't like lose right? his
0: mind or anything like that. He he was a from the sound of it he was a good hard working human being who gave a fantastic performance and leaves behind a fantastic reputation and a fantastic career
1: at most you can say that his his unfortunate situation was a result of him working too hard and the, but in that instance the him the fact that he's playing the joker is incidental yeah like he could have been playing any like any other major role and it would have been equally as damaging to him if that's what contributed to his uh, condition, so...
0: Yeah, apologies to all listeners also. This is going to be a long one,
1: uh, so
0: just, just hang in there.
1: Hey, hey, whatever, yeah, fuck off. I, I think we're doing um,
0: good
1: so far. <laughs> we're doing good No, We've had a lot to talk about. Um, I want to say no thank you to the fucking person um, who is now out of my life, and I doubt is listening to this, but who was for some reason really hellbent on letting me know that Heath Ledger only won the Oscar because he died.
0: Oh, yeah. Anyone who says that, go fuck Uh, yourself. I'm sorry.
1: um, But, like, I don't know why that person cared so much about me knowing that. I don't know what greater point that person was trying to make. Um, And that person made very shallow observations about all media, and I wish I had a time machine to go back in time to be like, Fight Club sucks.
0: (laughs) Uh, I think there's a through line between that kind of mentality and something that CinemaSins and other kind of YouTube
1: uh, – Oh, no. Unquote, this person definitely went in that direction towards yeah, the end.
0: Yeah, that, that, that kind of nurtures and, like, fosters that that mentality of, like, we're trying to to like, outthink the art that they consume, you know?
1: Before CinemaSins, that was just called Crack.com.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs>
1: Um, which Crack of the Cow actually does some good stuff every now and then, but they used to do a thing, I don't remember what it's called, where they would just rewrite, they would write fake scripts for a movie that would just point out all the logical inconsistencies.
0: Oh, that's, that's not fun.
1: Uh, it was basically CinemaSins Lite, except, to be fair to Crack, it was actually funny.
0: Oh, okay,
1: well then. Like, 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 Honest Trailers gets one point above CinemaSins because they're actually kind of funny sometimes.
0: Yeah, and you, they you know lose what a point, else... Um
1: because right, I, I, they're made by a creep.
0: Oh, well, no, no, he's he's gone and done. and
1: he's, he's gone now, so they did the right thing.
0: Yeah, like immediately, thankfully. Um, But yeah. I, I will give points to Screen Junkies, because I, I don't watch them a lot. I, I was never – this is not against them. I was just never a big fan of Honest Trailers and stuff like that. But uh, from what I have seen, they, they at least kind of foster more interesting conversations than the, the general YouTube uh, consensus, I guess.
1: Without – Without Honest Trailers, I never would have found Jenny Nicholson, which is one of the best YouTube channels out there.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's awesome.
1: (laughs) Which uh, is a very funny channel that I enjoy. (laughs) Um, Wow, that just sounded like a robot talking. (laughs) That sounds like Nolan describing anything that he likes. Oh,
0: Oh, my God. Speaking of which.
1: Fuck you, Replicant.
0: Oh my god, Nolan wouldn't have made a good Blade Runner movie, I don't think.
1: He would not. He would not have made a good Blade Runner movie, but he's making a very good Blade Runner human being. Aww. Just existing.
0: Or you know what, maybe, maybe he would have. Maybe because he, he himself is a replicant.
1: I'd I'd rather see him make his own thing. It probably would have been as uninterested in the female characters as both iterations of Blade Runner are.
0: Yeah. Here's the thing, for twofold now, uh, not to completely derail this Dark Knight conversation, which you still have to go back to. Uh, Nolan, Mm. God bless him for all of his pros and cons, gets to make original movies at major Mm. studio budgets. Oh, yeah. And two, uh, when they reboot Blade Runner again or follow up on a sequel in 30 years, have it be directed by an Asian woman. There you go. Yes. There you go.
1: That'll solve the problems. It, it won't solve of, of America, everything, but it's yeah. a great stepping stone for that fucking. It, it would be a good. It would be a good direction to maybe take. Yeah. Um, now Nolan, I love that Nolan. Even like I have problems with both Inception and Interstellar, but the fact that they are original properties is like good. You know.
0: Yeah. More. More of that. And,
1: yeah, and I'm glad that he gets to do that. Um, although there's probably so much pressure for him to be like, do another Batman, do another one. Or do something superhero-related.
0: You know, like, it in up in some alternate reality where I got, like, that kind of, like, wealth and power in the industry and was, like, a talented filmmaker or something. And mm-hmm. and I did, like, let's say I did the Dark Knight trilogy and I was Christopher Nolan. I would be so tired of superheroes after that. Not, oh, yeah. Not just because of the endeavor, which would be, like, seven years of his life, but because everyone's <laughs> always going to be asking you about that. Like, I wouldn't have mm-hmm. touched a Superman reboot, like, with a fucking mile-long
1: stick. Well, you see me, uh, how at the end of every one of these retrospectives, I'm like, fuck this franchise, (laughs) fuck this podcast. (laughs) You can imagine if I devoted seven years of my life to a fucking guy that dresses up like a bat.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd be so done. I'd be like, I did what I did. I'm going to go, I'm going to work with fucking Adam Sandler. I'm going to make an Adam Sandler movie next. Fuck everything.
1: What do we got? Nothing
0: No name. No other alias. Clothing is custom. Nothing in his pockets but knives
1: and lint. Uh, I want to say that 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 scene we were talking about with the scarecrow mm-hmm. uh, might be my least favorite action scene in this movie. Um, it's very brief, but it's like just so awkward. I get they're trying to do like an extension of the chaotic fight from Batman Begins. And it just doesn't work here. I don't know why. Like rewatching Batman Begins, I was really nervous about like having to rewatch the like odd chaos editing. Yeah. And it, but it really worked there for me. And in this film, when they do it, it doesn't work. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what changed.
0: I, I don't know if this is going to solve your your question, but I think a big part of it is that Batman Begins and Dark Knight, while both are very clearly Nolan films. Uh, they're very different from each other, at least, like, yeah. even down to like, the aesthetics, I think. Uh, not just the plot, but Batman Begins is very much uh popcorn summer action movie with, like, a, a grounded edge to it. Dark Knight is less action-oriented, so when the action does happen and it hasn't evolved from the Batman Begins mm-hmm. days, it I don't think it fits anymore. It's not yeah. bad, it's just uh, – it's – no one walks away from the dark knight being like oh that fight sequence was amazing you know with the exception of maybe one
1: with i i really like the idea that all the fights with the joker are themselves really awkward i like that it's not a physical confrontation that's almost a joke but there's a couple of like there's this action scene and then there's the hong kong sequence which are just really intensely boring <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, um, um, you know what made the, the Hong Kong sequence kind of more exciting is if they framed it like uh, the warehouse sequence in Batman begins.
1: Um, maybe, or the yeah. the shipyard,
0: whatever. But, uh, but even then, you're kind of doing what you already did, but they're already the doing thing, I it. I think anyways, it's, but so.
1: it's, it's also kind of part of the head fake that this movie does, which is that you think it's a very straightforward Batman's going to fight the Joker movie, and then it flips it on its head in the midpoint. Um, which is the entire, the world turns upside down like the Joker, uh-huh. um, you know, that's the, I, that's where I see people getting annoyed with this movie. Cause like, that's really obvious and simple. <laughs> and we literally, the camera literally turns upside down with the Joker at the end of the film. Yeah. And I get people being like, that's really on the nose because it is.
0: It is But that's
1: but... what the film is doing. Yeah. So. No, like
0: it totally is, but I, I fucking love it. Like Stranger Things did something with that last year where Hopper goes into the upside down and so the camera flips and you're like, oh and it's like, yeah, but come on, how could you not do that?
1: Yeah, but the problem with Stranger Things season two is that it's about nothing. Uh,
0: it's so. it's it's got issues. I thought it was kind of fun, but yeah.
1: It's it's a fun, it's just not about anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean There's plenty of media like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Although I do like, there's one shot in this action scene that I really do like, which is Batman. He's on the side of the the scarecrow's truck or van or whatever, Mm -hmm. and hits the pillar and gets knocked off. And then Batman just kind of like just gets up, kind of like sighs, and then just walks away. Like, there's something really funny. Like, that's a moment that you don't see with many superheroes. (laughs) Like, that moment where they have to, like, just kind of, like, awkwardly walk from room to room. (laughs) And I really like that. And, of course, that's what gives uh, Batman the idea of fixing the helmet. Which makes sense in this movie, but I always like the cowl, like, the the Batman cowl. Because it gives him, like, these weird movements that separate him from the characters around him. Uh, it,
0: it does give him like an almost – uh might sound weird or like a bit of a stretch, but like a mythological feel, you know? Like like he's more than human or just like different enough from a human being.
1: It's it makes like, more sense in a movie where, you know, it's more fantastical. Here, if you're kind of going for a more grounded thing, it does make sense that a guy who's like the world's greatest detective would want a helmet where he could turn his head. yeah. <laughs> All the tech
0: stuff is kind of fun in this.
1: Yeah, we get a new Batcave in this um, because Wayne Manor still hasn't been rebuilt. Yeah, oh, little Uh, touches
0: like that I love so much, even now, you know, because so many of these things kind of, like, soft reboot every time they they have another entry. But, like, I... I, In hindsight, it's really weird that, like, this is arguably the most beloved of the Batman films in a general consensus. And there's no, like... There's very little like iconography from the character. Yeah, you know, there's very little Batman stuff in this. Yeah. Like
1: that there's no batarangs. Oh my there's, god,
0: yeah. Instead of the they're, batarangs, they're... you get the thing in the wrist gauntlet. Uh there's no yeah. no, no, no mansion. Uh the bat cave is under and a I, sink And We basically. should point out that
1: the, the the wrist gauntlet doesn't look like bats at all. Yeah. There's no bat motif to them. <laughs> Like, there's kind of, like, that thing where there's, like, sonar, like a bat, you know? But it's, like, very—there's it, a lot—there's very little Batman in this Batman movie.
0: Yeah. Well, no, um, not like a bat. Like a submarine.
1: Oh, yeah. Like a submarine, yeah. Mr. Wayne. See, like, stuff like um, that, it's, like— Nolan's got
0: a sense of humor that is very underappreciated. He He's a funny guy, even for a robot.
1: There are jokes in these movies that I don't understand how Nolan could have come up with them.
0: Oh, there's the great one um, that I, I just love with all my heart. What I do, bloody tell you.
1: I suppose you're going to lock me up as well. That your accomplice. Accomplice? I'm going
0: to tell them the whole thing was your idea. Like, that's so charming
1: and funny. But can you imagine Nolan writing that? No, not at all. The one joke that, like, really doesn't seem Nolan is the Lamborghini joke that's later in the film. Like that <laughs> seems like almost like a committee joke. Will you be wanting the bat in the middle of the day, Alfred? Not very subtle. The Lamborghini, then. Uh, much more subtle. We get our first. We get our first uh, sage advice from Alfred, who probably gives the worst advice ever. But um, <laughs> where he's like, "Know your limits, Master Wayne." And of course, the retort is, "Batman has no limits," um, which is one of the themes of this film also they're tracking the mob with radioactive bills what the fuck is that about
0: we we, we overlook that
1: uh yeah like that's a, again that's another thing in the movie where you're like what's that <laughs> and then it's never really followed up on and then we get we finally get an introduction of harvey dent the white knight of gotham the attempted assassination during uh his uh, courtroom scene with the most stereotypical gangster ever
0: oh we didn't talk about it but a batman begins um uh Falcone. Uh a great actor. Really harsh accent. Yeah. <laughs> and it, that that's the one time it carries over into this movie.
1: Maroney, he's a fall guy. I mean, he's a fall guy. I'm the brains of the organization. Yeah.
0: Hostile. hostile. I'll say you hostile. <laughs> yeah. That's the best. Yeah. Uh, that, um, that's kind of badass is... when when uh, he grabs the gun away after it jams and just socks him in the face, and then he just says, Your Honor, I'm not done. As you're dragging Uh, him away.
1: And the audience (laughs) claps because he's not afraid. I should say, they shrug off that assassination attempt (laughs) way too easily. (laughs) To, like, applaud him? Not just applaud him, but, like, in the next scene, Rachel's like, if they're trying to kill you, that must mean we're doing something, right? (laughs) And you're like, Rachel, your boss was killed in the last film. (laughs) The DA was shot in the last film like that's a weird little moment. It's it's a little um, it's a
0: little silly, but and again, I might be bending over for the for the film here. Uh like maybe that's just Rachel's hardened like Gotham sensibilities.
1: But as this movie's going on, um the Joker's happening in the background at this point, but we start to get this formation around Harvey Dent, Commissioner Gordon, and Batman forming a sort of triumvirate where they will uh, share their powers to eventually. Ru- they're basically ruling Gotham. <laughs> they're basically positioning themselves in a way where they can, for what they believe is a good cause, which is to eliminate the mob. Um, but they are positioning themselves in a way where they can subvert different power structures around them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know? Yep. That's basically what's happening here. And I mean, it's not even that. It, there's a very direct reference to Julius Caesar in this film, which seems pretty on the nose, you know? Yeah. Um, and we, this movie does actually, Harvey Dent does actually say, sometimes we need to suspend democracy. And that's the moment where Bruce Wayne is like, I like the cut of this guy's jib. <laughs> and that's very concerning. <laughs> I mean... Um, whether or not it's the intention of the filmmakers, but to me, that's a very telling line. Because I was I was reading someone um, who was defending Batman v Superman recently, um, and they were comparing it to Paul Verhoeven's uh, Starship Troopers, and so you know Starship Troopers is like an overtly fascist film, but you walk out of that movie knowing the film is against fascism, that it's a it's a it's a parody of fascism, and I was and they were trying to argue that. That's what Batman v Superman was kind of doing. But I was trying to think, like, Batman v Superman doesn't have that tell, you know? Yeah. Like, it never has that moment where it really... Whereas Starship Troopers, the the first classroom scene is a scene talking about how democracy is bad. (laughs) And again, in this, we have a line about suspending democracy and referencing Caesar and how Caesar basically appointed himself dictator. And to bring it back to the triumvirate thing... That's exactly what happened in Rome with the First Triumvirate. The Roman First Triumvirate was the aligning of power between Julius Caesar, uh, Pompey the Great, and Marcus Crassus. They kind of came together, and they were able to subvert the powers of the Senate to get their their desires through, what they wanted to accomplish. And they basically used it to conquer Gaul. That was the goal. They were using it to conquer Gaul, um, which is, I believe, what would become France and Germany. Of course, uh, we kind of know what happened (laughs) with this triumvirate. Um, And we should say that the triumvirate in this film, the triumvirate is founded on a mutual understanding of we're doing the right thing, we're bringing down the mob. Whereas a lot of historians view the historic first triumvirate as three guys who secretly wanted to take over, but they knew they had to work together to get what they wanted. But they, they knew they would turn on each other at the drop of a hat. Um, which is, of course, what happened because Crassus died and suddenly became a power struggle between Pompey the Great and Caesar, which turned into a civil war. Pompey loses the civil war and Julius Caesar appoints himself, um, you know, lifetime ruler. I don't believe he appointed himself emperor just yet, but he, uh, he basically took over and abolished the Senate, um, which he was then assassinated for. <laughs> And the second triumvirate was established, um, which uh, featured Augustus um, later, uh, at first Octavius and Mark Anthony, uh, were two of the members, which they ended up in a war. Mark Anthony is, of course, killed, and Octavius establishes Rome as an empire. <laughs> so there's a, like, what I'm saying is there's a very direct connection between Rome becoming an empire... And this film, and Batman becoming, you know, kind of a dictator. I never, I never looked at it that way. I, 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 am not willing to say that that was the intention of the filmmakers, but that is a way you can read the film.
0: Well, I mean, the yeah. the constant calling back to either die a hero, you live long enough to become a villain uh, is directly <laughs> tied to the Julius Caesar line. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I don't think that's a. Uh, an invalid reading at all. I, and I. Nolan's not a dummy. You know, he might he he might, he might do some goofish
1: things, but he's a smart dude, clearly. And, of course, uh, Julius Caesar was never really a hero. Yeah, um, that, that is also there's true. A kind of a myth about that. And there, also Harvey Dent never really was from what we start to learn about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that line, is a very point line. But, again, we live in such fucked up times where you can see people who would watch that and be like, Yeah, we do need Caesar, which is exactly what happened in Rome. I mean, Caesar was a populist. That's what Julius Caesar was, and that's how he kind of won at the end of the day. Pompey was a military leader, but Caesar was popular with the citizens of Rome, and Caesar made sure his legions were loyal specifically to him and not to Rome itself, um, which is how he kind of ended up winning the Roman Civil War. And of course, I would say that the same is true for our sitting president currently. Um, and again, we see this consolidation of power between the law and order of the city. You know, we have we have law order represented by uh, you know uh, Dent and uh, Gordon, and then you have the business elite, which is Bruce Wayne. And the business elite is funding a secret war. <laughs> you know, an illegal vigilante. That's what's happening in this movie. But only only two people
0: know about it, Alfred and and Rachel. I guess Bruce also cuz he's the one doing it. Yeah,
1: but, but well, to be fair, the Gordon and uh the other guy, then um they do not they do not know it's being funded by a business elite, but they have to know that the Batman is getting his resources from somewhere. Yeah and they they have to know they're endorsing a vigilante on some level. I mean like even
0: not financially but just physically they they are. His action Gordon's actions with the MCU <laughs> are um are like encouraging and supporting the Batman. Evening, commissioner. Why so serious? People are dying. For what would you have me do? Endure. You can be the outcast. You can make the choice that no one else will face. The right choice. Gotham needs you. A little fighting here. I like that. Then you're gonna love me. Now that's more like it, Miss Wayne.